Welcome to the Evolving Accountant Podcast. We all know that some accountants can be boring, but definitely not this one. Why talk trial balances and P&L when we can get ripped jeans into the boardroom and hear business insights from people who have really walked the talk? Get ready. Here comes an all-new episode with your host, Darren Wingfield. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Evolving Accountant Podcast, powered by Holland's Accountants. Delighted to be joined today by Casper Rose, co-founder and director of The Wellness Group. First of all, Casper, welcome to the show. And for our listeners out there, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, but more importantly, what your drive is to get out of bed in the morning? Well, thanks so much for having me, Darren. I really appreciate it. I've been listening to your podcast and have to say you've had some excellent guests on, so it's it's humbling to be one of them. My name's Casper, and I'm the director of the Wellness Food Group. As you've already described, my background has always been in food. It's something I'm incredibly passionate about. So I started off washing dishes and then moved into doing my chef's apprenticeship. And really, you know, my love for food also transitioned into a love for fitness and then a love for trying to get the most out of people. And I would say that last one is something that really is what gets me out of bed. And 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 that sort of can be more eloquently described as helping other people fulfill their potential. And that's through either giving them the right food that will make them healthier and give them better energy levels and they can run around with their kids or they can look great on holiday, or whether it be working with my team who ultimately have, if there's any success in my career or the businesses we've had so far, it's definitely down to them. So helping them fulfill their potential day to day is is certainly what gets me moving in the morning. Cool. Perfect. Can we talk a little about what your journey has been and what to the steps to where we are right now? Yeah, sure. Well, I'm Australian, first of all. So I'm from a little town called Barbay, which is a shire uh, on the far east coast of Australia. Have you ever been or been to Australia? No. I, I am a big cricket fan, but I, um, that's as far as my love for Australia goes. Fair enough. Well, that's very Australian, so that, that goes a long way. Yeah, it's a it's a small kind of fairly alternative town. People often describe it as it, uh, it has really beautiful beaches, and I had a you know a really nice childhood growing up there. I went into working at cafes and pizza restaurants, uh, washing dishes, and then decided that um, being a chef outside of high school was something that I really wanted to do. From there, I began sort of planning my career and wanted to work in the best restaurants I could if that was going to be something I did. So I went to Sydney and I worked in Michelin star restaurants there for a couple of years. Then I came to Europe where really, you know, getting a sort of European, whether they're British or French restaurants or even Italian on your CV is is a real um, notch on the belt that you want to have when you move into um, more senior positions in kitchens in Australia. And so it was very much part of my plan to do a year here and then head back to Australia once I'd done that. I've now been in Australia for, I've now been in London for 10 years after that. So obviously plans change. But after working for a year for Gordon Ramsay here, I then transitioned into working for Fresh Fitness Food with my mate, Jared. And back then we were cooking the, the meals kind of in our flat and and it was a very small scale. It was a very kind of startup vibe for the first couple of years. And that and that was a lot of fun. And it was a really different challenge to my time in the kitchen. And I took a lot of learnings from the kitchen into that and obviously how to make food, but also, you know, how to work hard and, and how to work with a team, particularly a kitchen team. 
And then the business started to really scale in the last couple of years. And since then, we have created the Wellness Food Group, which now owns Fresh Fitness Food and also owns Detox Kitchen, its second brand. And our goal within that food group is to make the UK a healthier place. And so we're looking to have more brands within the food group that will ultimately service different demographics across the UK. Perfect. A couple of questions on the side. Mm. What was it like working for Ramsey? Horrible, actually. Actually, really, really horrible. I think it's something that I speak about with a lot of vitriol, if I'm honest, and not a pleasant part of my career. You know, I, I think it was relatively formative, and I wonder whether that was kind of net positive or net negative in terms of how it shaped me as a leader, but also as an operator. I think that there's a lot of very bad cultural things that were driven through that kitchen and a lot of the other Gordon Ramsay kitchens at the time. I don't know if it's any better now, but there's a lot of kind of hierarchy bullshit. There's a lot of bullying. There's a lot of working at below minimum wage when you sort of, you know, divide the hours by the actual uh, pay that you're receiving at the time on a salary. And, you know, there, there was also like a really bad culture about people coming and leaving and staying for a very short time. And the stuff churn was really bad. And the way they treated people on the way out was really bad as well. So a lot of people would quit and not even serve their last month's notice. Because if you quit, they started to treat you really badly for the last month. So I think and I think that culture ultimately according to the senior teams that I worked in as a sous chef there, was driven by Gordon. I think in the early days when he was a head chef, you know, I'm making some assumptions here based on the people that I actually worked with that worked with him. But in the early days when he actually ran the kitchen as an incredible chef, an incredibly hardworking guy and, and brought a lot to food community and brought a lot to London as far as Michelin star restaurants and his three star on Hospital Road as well. But I think that ultimately the way that he ran kitchens uh, seeped into the other kitchens and seeped into the management team's culture as well. So I think, you know, he has a lot to answer for in, in that sense. And that what you see on TV is a lot of bravado, a lot of big chat, a lot of big shouting for the cameras. But what actually happened in the kitchens at those times was far worse. So as an individual that's gone through that experience, would you say that has made you a stronger person today then? Well, you know, there's the old saying, if it doesn't kill you, it only makes you stronger. But it's that's kind of a silly saying because it might not kill you, but it might taint you. And um, I think that it definitely um, taught me a lot about work ethic, but it also taught me a lot about what you don't want to carry through as a leader. And that, you know, as a team, and as a business starts to scale in particular, you need to move from autocratic leadership into democratic leadership. And that's something that doesn't exist in kitchens. And so I think that as much as it taught me what I didn't want to do and, and what doesn't work and what doesn't grow positive teams and, and reduce staff churn and things like that, that ultimately then taught me what I should do. I like, can't even describe how, like, I, I think I'd want to punch him. But that's the that's the way I am as well in there. Yeah, so. everybody says that. But when you're in a particular culture and you're really embedded in it and you, you know, it's your life and you don't want to fail, then I think you, you know, you accept a lot more than you might think you would. Okay. So let's talk about some more positive stuff instead. Sure. <laughs> so can we talk a bit more about the wellness group, the fresh fitness foods and sort of describe and explain a bit more what the brand does and stuff like that? 
Yeah, absolutely. Ultimately, the Wellness Food Group's mission is to transform health through food. Um, you know, there's a lot of solutions out there that are pitched to people around, you know, take this pill or drink this tea or do whatever it is. But ultimately, that having good nutrition, good sleep, um, and, you know, ensuring you move a little bit each week is really the basis for strong physical health and also strong mental health. And those are the sort of uh, levers that we want to leverage for people across the UK. So fresh fitness food serves bespoke meals. We make about 100,000 meals a month and each of those meals are weighed out for each individual. We are direct to consumer only pretty much about 99% of our business. And we effectively deliver across the entire UK. So you jump on uh, the iOS app store, you can download the Fresh Fitness Food app, or you can jump on our website and, and head through the order form there. We calculate the right nutrition for you based on your goals, who you are, and then we deliver that to you. And ultimately, we deliver you know, either all of your food or the majority of your food, and then you eat those meals throughout the week. You can have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or just lunch and dinner, or juices and snacks in and around that. And then you can track your consumption in the app as well. Um, and that gets incredible results. 89% of our clients said that fresh fitness food helped them reach, our go reach their goals. Um, and that service it, you know, continues to grow year on year. We're up uh, last month year on year by 16%. And the business is, is performing really well. We've got a really, really strong team at the moment. And everybody's fairly mission-driven within that team in terms of bespoke nutrition, making people healthy. Detox Kitchen's a brand that has a real holistic approach to health. It's focused more on intuitive eating. There's a much more of a plant-based uh, element to it as well. And that's also a direct-to-consumer product. So there's three products from Detox Kitchen. There is the fridge fills where you could just order a load of really delicious lunches and dinners, or there is the uh, subscription product wherein you would be uh, more on a plan, again, similar to Fresh Fitness Food, where the majority of your food was handled by Detox Kitchen. And then thirdly, we also have two high street sites. So that we call them delis, but they're effectively cafes or salad bars. And they're in central London in Carnaby Street or Mortimer Street. And they're super, super delicious. There's a big line every lunch. So you've got to get in early. They're absolutely awesome. And uh, you just feel great when you finish one of those meals. So that's effectively what the brands do today. The Wellness Food Group's mission is to either launch new brands or to uh, have other brands join the group. And we will look to have brands that effectively service different demographics with different products. So we're looking in the plant-based space. We're looking in the plus 60 space. And we're looking at various different uh, verticals. Awesome. Obviously, 100,000 meals a month is no easy going by any means. Mm. The, when I was, as I always do, having a bit of a scoop around on the website and stuff, Obviously, it was put into four, I'll call them pillars, where it was uh, lean gains, fat loss, general health, and gain muscle. Mm -hmm. um, out of the 100,000, just out of curiosity, where where would you say the like the customers fit or their meals fitting into them pillars are? Yeah, it's a good question. Where would you guess? Well, originally, my assumption would be fat loss. but yeah, then you'd, you'd be correct. And then I was thinking, is it then... Because like people like to lose the fat, but then they like want to bulk up a bit as well, especially when it's coming to like you said before pool season and sitting around by the the pools yeah. on holiday. So that's why I was trying. I was just wondering whether what, that's where the brand fitted with the the customer needs. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, sixty eight percent of the UK is is overweight. We sit somewhere, I think, in the top ten in the world. Don't quote me on that, but we're, but we're roughly on that. I think we're on track in the next ten years to be the most overweight country in Europe. Um, above us is the US and Saudi Arabia. 
Um, and I think Australia is also above us as well. So typically kind of Western countries where access to fast processed foods has become incredibly easy. And so that's really our mission to make uh, food that is more convenient than the fast food providers because we're delivering it direct to the consumer, more delicious, um, and then also obviously having a positive health impact. So uh, fat loss is definitely the, the highest ordered package from us. What's really interesting though is that when we survey clients to ask them why they joined the service, typically you see somewhere between 70 to 80% answer that question saying that they had a goal. So that goal might've been to put on some muscle or to lose some weight or, or whatever that might've been. When you then survey them and ask them what's kept them on the service for orders two, three, four, five, the answer is convenience. So what we typically find is that because we help people get their goal very quickly, that could happen anywhere within a one to three month period, they'll then transition from what might be a deficit on their calories into a maintenance phase where they're then simply just getting delicious food really in a really convenient format delivered to their house. And that allows them to save on average an hour a day from washing and you know cooking and everything else. And it also reduces kind of cognitive load when they're stood in the supermarket wondering what they should buy for that evening. They simply have something at home that's been designed for them, made for them and ready to eat. And that can be heated up in the oven or the microwave. I sound like I'm pitching, which I always am, but it's certainly something I'm passionate about. And I also see that you know the benefits aren't just reaching their goal. The benefits are often what you would do with that extra time. Okay. And last question around this before we move on. Um, when I was looking, the how would you as a director compare yourself to something like HelloFresh or Gusto? Yeah, that, that can be answered quite simply in that we're ready to eat. So Gusto and HelloFresh, you get sent all the ingredients and then you cook them at home. So it's a different value proposition and it's solving a different problem for the customer. Our customer is looking to save the time on cooking and washing up and everything else. I think those products are fantastic and, and they encourage people to cook, which is also a, a real positive. Um, but for us, we want to make sure that that food's bespoke to the individual and that they can use that time elsewhere in life. Cool. Let's move on. We've sort of touched on this question. It's one I've been asking all of my food and drink guests quite now. It's you know, when I'm getting feedback, everyone's talking about the food and drink sector being the sector on steroids, the one that's so quick, it's fast moving, stuff like that. Mm. So we were talking a little about personality traits and strengths for someone to especially work with Mr. Ramsey, but let's ignore him and say as a, a normal FMCG or a challenger brand, what would you say to work in the sector if you were cloning yourself to a better Casper, what would you be looking for? What what traits you, you think are kind of either leading indicators or really helpful in the sector? Is that, yeah, yeah. Is that kind yeah, of the yeah. question? Yeah. I think it's a tough sector, right? Anybody listening to this that works in the sector knows we've been hit with inflation in a lot of our costs you often have to lead a very large team you know in the wellness food group we're kind of 130 staff full-time um, and that's often because you have a large labor force as well so you have various sort of categories of, of people that come and work for you whether you've got kitchen porters or marketing teams or logistics managers or engineers that are coding the website and and that comes with a lot of challenges as well and so you have to be a fairly dynamic leader across those um, but I'd say to, to kind of wrap it up that there's two things that 
I think are essential and they're fairly broad and, and in some ways slightly generic. But I'd say number one most important trait is tenacity. It's something that I'm often trying to train myself to have more of or be better at. Um, another word for that is grit. And again, it sounds a little bit cliche, but if you're in this industry, if you're tackling the challenges that we have at the moment, you need the ability to keep going when it gets hard. And you need the ability to have the tools that improve tenacity, which I think are usually things like objectivity, the ability to look at yourself and say, how can I improve? How can I be better? How can I analyze this very hard thing to be able to then take on that challenge and do it better? I'd say the second um, important trait is self-belief. Uh, that is, you know, maybe at a kind of macro level, the single most important thing. Often, if you're in a leadership position, and again, it's something that I'd like to have more of, whether things like imposter syndrome start to see doubt within me, or whether simply some of my failures or some of the criticism that I get start to make me doubt myself. But ultimately, if you don't have self-belief, you'll fail very quickly and nobody will follow you. And sort of linking that together with as a director or someone working in a business or an entrepreneur, everyone loves a productivity hack. Mm-hmm. What what would you say yours are? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm somebody who um, really thinks about my time fairly quantitatively in that, you know, when I look at my calendar, I have a certain amount of hours within each day. If I sleep seven, I have 17 other hours in the day, right? So how am I going to allocate those blocks to best serve me and my team and our customers? I often think that at a macro level, the most single important tool or productivity hack that anybody could do is time blocking. And if you just Google how to time block, it'll it'll come up with a couple of good articles there. It's a really, really, really effective tool that we really encourage the rest of our teams to do as well. And that helps you kind of think about time allocation and often removes the stress of wondering, when will I get time to do that? Because you've allocated time to do it. And that can be done through reoccurring events or simply spending a bit of time on a Sunday, you know, looking at your week ahead and then blocking the week through. Awesome. So obviously with your business and the data it holds, software is indispensable for yourself. You've already mentioned the Fresh Fitness app Mm -hmm. and obviously what's powering all, all the meals and everything behind it. Can we go into a bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So Darren, we obviously have quite a complex business model on both the detox kitchen and the fresh fitness food side. We're effectively taking a customer's requirements, working out how much food in terms of volume or type or propensity or exclusions that they might have that we have to factor into that. And then cooking that food, weighing that food out, packaging that food, and then delivering it to them across the UK. And so to do that, we've created a tool called Lavo Plus, which is a proprietary algorithm that we've spent just over £2 million now building in the last three years, um, which has been probably the most game-changing thing we could have done for our business. It serves both as the sort of acquisition side, but then also the ERP system and also the recipe building system and also the system that works out what are the customers enjoying because the customers can rate their meals out of five in their app. And then we'd start to learn what are they enjoying, what are they not learn, and that sort of feeds back uh, to our NPD team. And then they know, you know, based on seasonality, but also customer preferences, what they should be changing. That Lavo Plus tool is uh, pretty incredible, and we, and we hope to seed it into the other brands that join the food group over time as well. Um, we also use a lot of tech tools, and you know, I, I'm jumping on this one just because 
I am a real advocate of some of these pieces of software and at a kind of for somebody who's into productivity, but also leads teams. And, and I hope that anyone else listening to this can really have some kind of pithy and, and tangible takeaways. We use Coda.io, which is similar to uh, Notion or some other bits of software out there. That's been really effective for our teams in terms of building out projects or running meetings and stuff like that. Obviously, we're on the like the Google suite as well. And then some other tools we've started to use are um, kind of like uh, video tools like Loom and then using Descript to edit those down. They can be really interesting for communicating across tools, obviously things like Slack and stuff like that as well. But yeah, if anybody wants to reach out and chat productivity tools, I know at the end you you want to ask me about you know where to reach me and anybody can find me on LinkedIn where I'm often chatting about productivity tools, but feel free to DM me and I'll float you everything that we use. Perfect. What's coming next for the wellness group? What's what's around the corner? What's coming next? So as I've already touched on, we want to introduce other brands to the group. So at the moment I'm meeting other founders and well, you know, if anybody's listening to this and they're interested in the concept to drop me a line on LinkedIn and, and we can chat how they roll into the group, you know, will be a kind of different discussion uh, based on the different business. But really, we're looking for brands that make people healthy and brands that service a different demographic to the one the current brands already are. Uh, on top of that, we're definitely looking to incubate some of our own brands. And at the moment, we're just in the R&D space on uh, sort of stage on those. Cool. Last couple of questions from me, Casper, then I'll let you go and cook some meals. What do you wish you had known when you'd started out? So Casper of today, what would you be ta- telling Casper of 16-year-old? 16, 16 yeah, this is an easy one. And I think that anybody that's at the early stage might brush this off, but please don't. And anybody that's kind of been along the journey for a couple of years will probably nod. And that is financial skills or financial acronym. I think the ability to not just model out different scenarios in a quantitative way, but also to kind of analyze data or analyze, you know, KPIs within the business that are really important at the early stages, you know, working out if you're losing money, just how much and, you know, really starting to understand cash flow runways or understanding, you know, what is your path to positive EBITDA and being able to kind of look at that, not just in a PL, but start to break that down into other mini models. Those types of skills, I think, would have served me a lot at the very beginning and stopped us sort of running around blindly. Particularly, you know, again, I think something that everybody listening might understand is that often the type of character that wants to get into these types of businesses has lots of new ideas. And often those ideas just don't make any money and thus don't make any sense. And so, you know, or or they could never make money. You know, if something loses money at the start, sure, that's fine. But you need the ability to check yourself with the numbers rather than just go ahead on certain things. And I certainly wish I'd had those skills earlier in the piece. I'd also say that ignorance is a real, really positive tool in the early days as well. You know, sometimes uh, not knowing just how hard something's going to be is a blessing. One of our core values is we love to learn. So as you know, you every person that comes on the show gets asked this question. How do you learn? Who do you take advice from? And recommended reading or videos or podcasts? Hit me with yeah. them. Great, great question. Um, and I certainly love to learn. I think curiosity is one of the most em- kind of empowering and interesting and fun traits that any kind of leader can have. And I'd, I'd certainly implore people to be more curious about everything that they come across and how they can learn it. 
for me, I first of all, I time block it. So I time block an allocated time each week for learning. And then I make sure that, that I'm giving myself the space, particularly the headspace to do that, whether that's in an evening or in an early morning or on a weekend, um, just ensuring that I can learn with a bit of headspace and I don't have to think about my job. The I, I definitely listen to a lot of podcasts. I'd say we touched on it before. Um, I still get a lot of value out of 20VC. They've launched uh, uh, 20 sales, 20 product, and I think they've launched 20 growth as well. So they have some really interesting leaders in those sectors coming on on board. And you pick up on a lot of the acronyms or a lot of the lingo, um, but also you pick up some really interesting insights from some market leaders. Uh, I read a lot. Um, I'd say that's an also important trait to start making as a habit. You know, phone outside of the room in the evening and then try to read 10, 20 pages before bed. Um, doesn't just help me sleep, but also helps me learn. Um, and then I'm really fortunate to have quite a big network of people that I would call maybe not official mentors, but people that I can ask questions of that have done it before. And again, something that I'd really encourage people to to do is to you know get yourself out there, not just digitally on LinkedIn, but in person, go to events, meet people, build rapport, build relationships, offer value yourself, but then also have people that you can lean on to ask questions from because Sometimes that you know you can skip ten books and three online courses just by getting one bit of wisdom from the right person. Class. Final question: How do people find you? You've already referenced that you're a big LinkedIner. Talk us more about the websites, the brands, the socials, uh, stuff like that. Give us a summary, map. Yeah, sure. Um, trying to be better on LinkedIn and put some sort of interesting content out there sometimes, but really open to feedback. And if uh, any of it, um lands well with anybody please let me know and if any of it could be better drop me a drop me a message um i'll be making more of an effort on there in the coming months so that's just casper rose c-a-s-p-a-r and then last name rose and if you drop that into google there's not many casper roses out there so i'm sure you'll find me and then freshfitnessfood.com is where you can get bespoke kind of fitness tilted nutrition and detoxkitchen.com or if you just head into any of the high street sites in central london um, you'll be able to find uh, great food there as well. Cool. Just want to say thank you for your time. Thank you for talking more about the brand, talking more about your experiences in life and sharing your knowledge. Darren, really enjoyed it and uh, hope to meet some people digitally that have listened to this. Thanks for listening to The Evolving Accountant. You can find out more and get show notes for this and all our other episodes at theevolvingaccountant.co.uk.